No, me too, sir. We'll stand 20 extra watches. I'll have less beaming aboard this ship. Computer, status report. Don't blink. Don't even blink. Blink and you're dead. No! Wrong! And when you hear the sound of Robbie the Robot vibrating softly in the background, welcome to the December 4th, 2010 edition of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Deep in Area 51, watching Santa Claus Conquers the Martians for the umpteenth time, and making a list, checking it twice, finding out what the men in black want for the fourth night of Hanukkah, I am the Dome. Joining the talk cast tonight from the Alston Brighton Hellmouth, our technical wizard, former anime princess, lab researcher, and kitten herder, it's Kriana. <laughs> from the Four Color Vault of Comics in Manchester, New Hampshire, a man who constantly misrepresents Jingle All the Way as Jingle of Melee and then begins hacking and slashing his way to level 15 is Carolers Sing and Scream, it's Illustrator X. Star Wars, nothing but Star Wars. Joining him in the crypt is the reanimated Princess of the Dam, the woman whose concept of a stocking stuffer has something to do with muffled screams and copious amounts of blood. It's the dead redhead. Round Batman. <laughs> <laughs> From outpost. <laughs> I'm sensing a theme here, and we're about to make it. <laughs> From outpost Gallifrey in Indiana, our Midwest Crop Circle investigator, to quote him, two Olivias are always better than one. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's Awake by Java. In a fresh set of underoos. <laughs> <laughs> Golly, Batman, I feel better already. Joining us today, it is a wonderful couple, illustrator and writer, Laura and Tracy Hickman. Hi, guys. Hi, how are you? These things don't react well to bullets. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're going to be in for a bumpy ride tonight because it's been one of those weeks in science fiction. Ah, where, where, where to begin tonight? At the very Leslie, beginning, it's so. a very good place to well, mind. Go for it. Mr. X, you're in. Mm. Well, I think we have to... Uh, we say that the week itself started off with full military honors for the loss of Commander J.J. Adams of Forbidden Planet, known to the rest of you plebes as Leslie Nielsen. Known as Lieutenant Frank Drebin, thank you That's very right. much. That's right, Frank <laughs> yes, Drebin. Years before he decided to do comedy. But he was Leslie awesome at Nielsen. comedy. Well, I mean, if you actually saw the movies he did before he, he was yeah, Nobody's that old and or cares, jeez. I mean, there's a lot of the, hey, hey. Let's not disregard the legions of fans of Disney's Swamp Fox, okay? <laughs> what? Are both of them listeners? Uh, both, both of them are on the show, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> Do they have heart monitors? Are they on oxygen? <laughs> That's only after they saw Dracula dead and loving it. Uh, <laughs> wow, 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 wow. You know what? 
it's been a week for Dracula because my favorite, uh, uh, God, wait, wait a minute. I just froze my brain. I'm fine. Carry on. Okay. <laughs> what? Who's, who's getting senile? <laughs> that would be me. I'm yeah, you can't do that and not expect a senile joke. Sorry. I'll throw Hi, this is John Patrick Barry. I play James Bank III and Brown Coats Redemption, and you're listening to. Never mind. <laughs> wow! Excuse me. What button did you just press by accident? I know. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> they are next to each other, aren't they? <laughs> there we go. No, they're actually really, really not. <laughs> oh Lord. At least okay, I'm not so, senile. I'm going out so there this. This isn't NPR, is what you're trying to tell me, right? Wow. I know. I'm sorry, Tracy, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Oh, okay. I'm not in Kansas anymore. Well, Java's in Indiana, but well, which is not even Kansas, but that's okay. But but speaking of of Dome's infirmity, infirmities, uh, The Walking Dead. Woohoo! Oh, Walking Dead man. gets awesomer by the second. You know, I'm telling you, if zombies are the new vampires, Walking Dead is. Probably the new uh, uh, um, True oh. Blood. True Blood. Thank you. That's exactly what I was going with. Yeah, I, it's it's so good. Yeah, it is. It's so good. It's scary. Yeah. Yeah. It well, you're the one who sits scary. there in their slanket, going, "Oh my God, no more, no more." No, I'm not. That's X. <laughs> well, you know, I was uh, I was sitting down to watch the latest episode this week, and. I realized that I, I am so sad at the end of every episode because I have to wait for the next episode. It's true. It's the most horrible thing in the world. And that's exactly the kind of television that gets me excited. Um, you, you know, and there's so few, few shows that do that for me. Um, there was, was a rumor this week that they had uh, dumped the entire writing staff for season two. Right. The rumor turned out to be not not true. Thank goodness. The, the one of the writers is awesome. The dialogue fabulous. Gone. Glenn is my favorite character. Oh, good lord, yes. And there, there are so many love to hate characters, and I'll tell you what, I'm having trouble trying to figure out. You know, because having read the source material and X, I know you've inhaled the source material. Yeah. But. I'm having real trouble deciding where episode six goes. Well, again, they've, they've split off completely from the source material. These, right. They're doing stuff that was never in the comic, and I think that's a good thing. Because now even fans of the comic are like, what is going to happen next? Right. Yes, that's awesome. Yes. But it's not, it's not splitting off uh, oh, away from the source material in a, in a bad way. Um, not at all. No, not at all. As, one of the things that I've noticed as I'm reading through the comics, um, because I am watch- reading the comics after watching the show, Me is too. that you know, it's 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 different. But I'm enjoying the comics just as much as I'm enjoying the show, and the comics let me, you know, explore this universe in the meantime when I'm not watching the. Yes, show. it gives you your Walking Dead fix when it's not on TV. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> And after next week, we're screwed anyway, because then we've got to wait another four and a half months. I know. Screw right. you, AMC. Get on that crap. No, not <laughs> screw you, AMC. Keep going. Yeah, Bring us more you, stuff AMC. like this. Make it go faster. AMC makes the best television right now. They just they really do. That is, that is mad, my... and 
and, and that's not to say that there isn't good television happening other places, but when you watch Sif or Siffy on the on the you know. <laughs> Thank you, Hitman. I know you're when on you, Skype right now and you're not answering my calls. <laughs> when when you're when you're when you're watching Siffy during the um, the afternoon and the only things that you can see are uh, WWC wrestling and um, right. and oh, you know it's it's just it's it's annoying because they used to make such great television. At least at least we have Warehouse 13 and Eureka coming back. Guys, bring back the Dresden Files. That was oh, awesome. Good lord, yeah. yes. that was a terrific show. That was. It's, yeah. You know, you know, what I love the best about the Dresden Files, Bob. Gee, Bob yes. was terrific. Yeah. Because you know what, he was totally not like he was in the books, but he was totally still recognizable as a character, and I think they actually made the character better. He was more mm. of a character right. in the TV show. You know, it was funny because speaking of sci-fi, I was watching some really, really, really bad movie, and uh, one one of the characters in the movie is this wannabe screenwriter, and he's trying to explain to these other people, you know, what his new movie is about, what the new screenplay is about. And after he does, they say, well, what's the title? He says, well, the working title was Mansquito, but it was already taken. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, that is just like the perfect way to go out by hanging yourself. Oh, my God. Now, now, I want to get this in here because I thought it was very fun. We finally got to see the opening for the Doctor Who skit for when um, on Craig Ferguson for when Matt Smith was on. It finally hit YouTube, and it was oh, very. It will, it will be up on our website uh, hopefully tonight or tomorrow. And it was interesting. It, it was, was funny. It was interesting, all right. <laughs> I t- honestly didn't think he had a skit. Oh, see, that's the difference. I'm a loyal viewer of that show. And I knew when he came on with that look on his face and that 12-minute rant that there had been something that he couldn't do. And what, what, what actually he wanted to do, I thought was hilarious. Yep. Yeah. Well, it'll tide us over until the uh, Doctor Who Christmas special in a few weeks. Uh, which can't come soon enough. No, it cannot. Uh, oh, well, uh, it's, it's not, well, getting because, because we've got other holiday specials coming up, too. Yeah, we've got the Warehouse 13 and Eureka standalone holiday specials. And I wonder if they're going to start doing that on sci-fi, you know, the way that they're doing, they've been doing it with Doctor Who for uh, quite a while now. It's just had that holiday special. I feel probably... like calling it Siffy. <laughs> okay, we can, we can call it Siffy. Uh, I have no problem with that. <laughs> we can call it the Mansquito Network for all I care. We've been calling it that for years. I know we have. But no, do we have any news about what, what the uh, holiday specials will be about? No, I haven't seen anything. I know that the Eureka one is titled Oh Little Town, which makes sense. And then um, Warehouse 13 is entitled Secret Santa, which, you know, I don't know. Maybe they'll find a, a magic hat or something that gives you a beard or something. I don't know. It, it's interesting. I, yeah, <laughs> a flying sled. Uh, 
you know, I, 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 I didn't even notice, and, and this is horrible, I didn't even notice that Warehouse 13 and Eureka hadn't been around until I saw that news. I saw it pop up on my forecast, and uh, man, I really wish that I had had, I had remembered, because those are some great shows that are just fun. Well, I mean, it's like Chinese food. It's, it's you know, it's, it was, wow, it's tasty, and then it's forgettable. Yeah. But, you know, in right now, in, in You know what? I'm going to let that slide because it isn't Smallville. Yeah, I was going to say, Eureka, with their new, um, new storyline, with the changing of the timelines, is really not that forgettable. That's okay, true. apparently everyone but else forgot I it. I forgot about it. Smallville creator? No, she's talking no, about, she's talking about like, Eureka. Eureka. Oh, hey, don't, 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 don't talk about Eureka. Tracy and I just barely got addicted to it on Netflix. Yeah. And so and don't don't spoil anything because I love that show. It's that, that, a terrific that show. It so I am way too involved in it. So, I started so talking about those people like they're my neighbors. Oh God, I wish they were my neighbors. Is that I'm just for the first time I'm, I'm, I actually just started watching uh, Dead Like Me season two recently, and it seems like every character. From well, I, I the episode I just watched before the show was had uh, the guy who plays Peter Bishop in it, and then before that, the episode before that had uh, you know Fargo and a few of uh, the other characters from Eureka on it, and I was like, well, wow! Although they all looked very, very young. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, the the point is there's there's this continuing group of actors who are working within the genre. And occasionally one flips out and ends up on Hawaii Five-0. But, <laughs> uh, but I mean, what I, was, what I was saying was that, you know, in, right now in our science fiction genre of television, um, there's a lot of very, you know, hard-hitting dramas and very moving, you know, dramatic writing going on. But, you know, I love Eureka and I love Warehouse 13 because they're so, you know, Fun and and at the end of the episode, you don't feel like the your your entire life has been sucked out of your chest. You mean like after uh, every episode of Battlestar Galactica? Well, that <laughs> after every uh, episode of Battlestar Galactica, I had to wake myself up. <laughs> oh, them fighting words, not to me. But somebody. You know, it's love- funny because I kind of feel the same way about uh, that ABC series, No Ordinary Family. It yeah, isn't that, nobody? terrific, but it is fun. Yeah. Okay. Nobody watches that show. You still, you're still waiting for Alf to come back, aren't you? I am. I am. I love oh, that boy. guy. Yeah. Willie, yo, Willie. <laughs> okay, wait for no, a night of Alf. What was the, what was the name of the show that was on at the same time as Alf with the girl who was a robot? Oh, uh, oh, that was the Terminator series. No, no, no. No, no. 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 no, it was a girl, and she wore a red polka-dotted dress. Mm-hmm. And she was a cyborg. Is that... Yeah, yeah I, remember the sh- I remember the show, but, but uh, see, I, I go back to the robot show before that with Rhoda the Robot. Was it Small Wonder, Java? Yes, it was Small yeah, Wonder. Yeah, Small Wonder, that's the show. Okay. I, I watched it, but I, wow, that was a long time ago for me. You were what, like two? 
<laughs> yes. Yeah. Yep. 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 Well, I'm sure it was on Nick at Night too at some point. Oh, Nick at Night is awesome. You get the uh, Munsters and I Dream of Jeannie, all those old people shows. Hey! <laughs> hey! Golf <laughs> hey. <Hey>. oh, <laughs> hey, Thomas Edison did the best he could filming I Dream of Jeannie, so watch it. <laughs> <laughs> but and you, you know watched what, it when it premiered, Tom. didn't you, X? <laughs> I did. No. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah. Speaking of robots living in the home, though. Hey, speaking of robots living at home, uh, see, um, I, we're going to go ahead and date ourselves. We remember a show called My Living Doll. Oh, with Julie Newmar. Yes. Oh, Julie you Newmar, know it. Yes. You know it. Oh, yeah. Now, if you are going to build a robot, believe me, build Julie Newmar. Oh, that was one gorgeous woman. Oh, okay. Now, Time for me to put weird science back on my Netflix. (laughs) (laughs) Was this before or after Batman? This was just before Batman. It was in 1964. Oh, God. (laughs) I mean, oh, do tell. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're watching the Batman. They're actually showing Batman again on this channel called Hub. Hub. And they just had a Catwoman episode, and oh my gosh, she so lives up to her mm. promise. <laughs> hey, and speaking of Batman, yes, yes, speaking of Good segue. Batman, Good segue. Good segue, yes. Speaking <laughs> of Batman, um, I, I, I wanted to come and tell everybody I was very excited about the news. I just got a contract to write. A Batman novel. Ah! That's terrific. I squeed. And there was much rejoicing. Yes. 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 Yeah, I'm very, very excited about it. I'm going to be doing this in uh, in the spring for DC, and uh, we're looking for release. I think at the end of the year. So, what's the uh, general focus of the novel? The uh, the the novel right now is tentatively called Wayne of Gotham. And um, it deals with uh, Batman reopening the investigation into his father's death and uh, discovering a good deal more than he knew about his father or probably wanted to know about his father. This is Rihanna coming up with the sound clip way too late. That's interesting because uh, there was just a series that I think there's a seri- series that's new. And, and X, you can uh, correct me on this, but is it, is it Batman Industries? Or uh, Batman Incorporated? Yes. It's on It's on my list of, of reads, but... Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah, that, that, that's with uh, what Grant Morrison's taking the series in right now. I mean, Bruce Wayne finally just had a press conference and said, I am the one who's been backing Batman all these years. I don't know who this Batman person is, but uh, I'm going to franchise it. Global mm-hmm. vigilantism will be funded by Wayne Industries. Hmm. Right. Yeah, fascinating, isn't it? And it's like, it wow, that's a good idea. There are so many great Batman stories out there right now because of the the hype around Batman, and you know the the fact that there's a new, you're you're taking it in, in a new direction is awesome. In fact, we had some really interesting Batman news this week about the Dark Knight Rises. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it, that was some really interesting news indeed. 
Yeah, the, apparently there's a very strongly supported rumor that the Dark Knight Rises story is going to be from Batman Prey, which includes, as the villain, Dr. Hugo Strange. Oh, Paul Galassi did the artwork on that. Yay! Yes, that was... For that random bit of information. And, uh, totally not uh, random. Zombie Jesus! Woo! <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's a good story. Hugo Strange is a weird character to have in the movies, though. Yeah, you know, I really think that he is, but... If they're looking for, um, you know, taking it in a new direction, you, you know, because they've got this third movie, um, and they're, they're, I mean, think about the number of problems that they have. They can't bring Joker back, um, and there are a number of other villains that are off the table as well. Well, yeah, um, they could. Yeah, they totally could bring uh, the Joker back. Though. I always thought that they could, you know, because of the concept they had with the Joker in the new movies, you could have him now in every single movie, and in every movie he could be played by someone else. Yeah. yeah Just to add to the could. randomness of the character. Yeah. And I'm still waiting for Harley Quinn. Thank you so much. <laughs> See? What in the hell are they waiting for? You'll be waiting a while there, Dome. Not fair. I didn't say it was fair. You should talk about it on a sci-fi podcast, and that'll get their attention. Yeah. I think we need an all Harley Quinn episode. What do you say? No. Actually, I'm anxious to write that character, and and, uh, uh, and as well as a number of other characters. So uh, that's one of the things I'm really looking forward to in the spring. I was going to say... We've, we've sort of started the interview segment early here. Yeah, well, oh, what the sorry, hell? Whatever, sorry. who cares? We have no Wheel of Fish winner this week. What the hell, guys? No, really? you know what? We do. We just don't know it yet. Do? Yeah, take a look at Java's article. Java's what? article on Doctor Who? Yeah. Speaking of Doctor Who. Who? 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 Doctor Who. Yes, what oh, about Doctor Ardeniel Oliva, my favorite, who I think is in the chat room right now, but under a different name, right? If you're in the chat this room, is, just say this yes. Is true. I'm waiting. Our oh, listeners have multiple delay Oh, yeah, they are. <laughs> Look at that. Um, they're, they're in the chat room under the name Ted Bronson. So they win? Is that what you're saying? Ted Bronson, I love it. God, I love this guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, me too. Okay, any, anybody in the cast... Besides Kriana, who the hell is Ted Bronson? Oh. Nobody else uh, knows. That would be Charles Bronson's uh, younger brother from uh, Death Wish 12. Java, any guess? Uh, the president of the PEA. Play them off, keyboard cat. The <laughs> uh, cardiovascular surgeon <laughs> in Texas. Say hi to Pixel. Uh, or must be something uh, character to do with Heinlein. from a Heinlein book. Yeah. There we go. Okay, we're getting better. We're getting warmer. Is he having fun listening to everybody else trying to figure out what I know? Uh, I'm, I'm enjoying now. Pixel, pixel, pixel. So, so Tracy. Time it up. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, getting back to the Batman novel. <laughs> what, what, I, what I like is that this guy has now chosen two names from two different 
genre characters. I love it. Thank you for being literate, young man, whoever you are. In the chat room, he says, good old Lazarus Long. God damn right it is. <laughs> All right, time to we break salute open. salute you for being awesome. But he doesn't have an and iPhone now, or iPod Touch, so he can't win. Sorry. Uh, and well, well, uh, you know, in the spring, when when Tracy is working on writing uh, a Harlequin novel for Dome, uh, Harley Quinn, not Harlequin. Whatever. <laughs> it's the difference between a Harlequin romance and a Harley Quinn novel. <laughs> You'll have tons of fans, Dome, sending you romance novels now. Yeah. Well, it depends on the approach that you take to the character, actually. I mean, you know, we Tracy, could do kind of this whole bodice-ripping idea, don't they? I like it for one. <laughs> well, Batman's got to get his shirt off at some point, right? No. It's got to be oh Harley my. and Poison Ivy. Oh, oh no 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 no! Oh, no. oh, oh yeah! You... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that is so wrong on so many levels. Oh, it's so if wrong, you... but it's so so right. <laughs> if you want to, if you want to see some some poison ivy action, check out Superboy version four. <laughs> so, another gentleman in our chat room, Maynard Winter, says Fabio as Bruce Wayne on the cover. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, we no, love you, but chat room peeps. In the spring, um, Dan, uh, Daniel H. Wilson's novel Amp is going to hit shelves in June, actually. Um, yeah. But already, before the book has even been released, uh, they are going to start production on the movie, which is actually a pretty neat thing because uh, Daniel Wilson was the guy who wrote Robopocalypse, um, and Steven Spielberg is making that movie in 2012 when he finishes Lincoln. So, you know, two of these, this guy's books are already set to be novels or are novels are already set to be movies. Um, and you know, one of them hasn't even been released in book form yet. So apparently Hollywood is really interested in this guy. I don't know. Um, the, the plot of amp is going to be about a world where a, in a world. A treatment for uh, disabilities uh, ends up turning people into supermen. So, something to keep your eyes out for. Uh, apparently, it might even be led, uh, the lead actor might be Sam Worthington. So, huh. you know, there's a lot I'm of I'm pondering stuff. the whole notion of this idea of these disabled people who have become supermen. Does this mean that we're going to have to go to the expense of moving all those blue zones out to the end of the parking lot now? <laughs> <laughs> Think about the expense of ripping out all those ramps. <laughs> Come on. Oh. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> And, and, and all of the NPR articles and, and, and shows that are going to become obsolete. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good point there. And we won't have to ship them all off to the moon. Save a lot of space on the moon for convicts. Evidently. No, we're sending those to, uh, to Mars, aren't we? Yeah, whatever. One-way trip. Venus, okay. even better. Okay. Speaking well, of science fact... Which is not on our list, I apologize, people, but your mention of other planets made me think of it. NASA announced this week that they found arsenic-based life forms. 
Yes. Instead of phosphorus, these cells include arsenic. Which is interesting, because previously, people with closed minds thought that the only way to do life was the way that we do life. So there. Not true. <laughs> I think that it's... Uh... I think that it's telling, by the way, that they found this in California. Uh, right? <laughs> right? I mean, I now we're going to have to have, like, arsenic-based life form awareness and activism. and <sighs> Where will it end? It's kind of scary. But, so, it raises the possibility that there could be life on planets unlike ours, although I think it's pretty funny that they found this on our freaking planet. Come on, guys. Yeah, it, my favorite part of that whole thing was people were like, a discovery that impacts our knowledge of extraterrestrial life or, or whatever. And, and it was found in California. Uh, wait a second. I don't know. It was an interesting read. I, if you, if you want to see something funny, go over to XKCD and check out their comic. Because that, that was hilarious. hilarious. Yeah. We'll put a link in the show notes. I also yeah, saw another sure. another comic um, just recently about science, and you know I wish I could remember where I found it. So if you wrote this comic, please email me, and I'll put up the link on our blog. Um, and the the picture was just a bunch of like magazine covers that say things like Darwin was wrong, life found on other planets, or just some really weird. Uh, things. that was uh, Saturday morning breakfast. Cereal. Oh, okay. Well then, um, I'll put the and link. then and then the caption was. Dear science journalists, if your article can be summed up as no, please don't write it. <laughs> I love you. That was awesome. John, if you could grab me the link to that and we could put it in the blog because we'll I, I love it. that. I love it. You know, speaking about we'll movies that, that are going to get made or, or being made, uh, Seth Rogen and Green Hornet. Seth Rogen is actually getting some decent press. What? It scares the hell out of me, but he is. Because it finally got it got got to Netflix and people actually watched it. What the the uh, the trailer? You mean the oh the Green Hornet? Isn't what that think, movie already uh, out? What we think of Knocked Up? No, I, th I thought that movie was already out. No. It hasn't but, come out yet. No, it's not. It's not due out until I think January. But the scary thing is this: uh, if a trailer for a really, really bad movie has the only good two minutes of it, that's probably the best two-minute trailer I've ever seen. And it may well be that that's all it is. But it's a. It's the concept of it is is not terrible. <laughs> well, there's a it doesn't suck so much there you go it does uh -huh. not suck not that much you know that's the kind of thing you really want to see on a movie poster hey, too that's when what you in. get in January right? that is exactly what you get in yeah, January that's very true exactly. does not suck as much as you thought it would <laughs> you know Rolling Stone put that on the bottom of the poster I'm sure that'll be good <laughs> It is halftime. It is halftime and time to actually have the interview segment. <laughs> Maybe we could get Tracy to talk about his Batman contract. Oh, we did that already. Oh, oh did we? Where was I? Yeah, but you know what? I got a question for you. Sure. So you're, you're going to be doing this about uh, Thomas Wayne. Mm -hmm. uh, 
Well, we've got this as a the whole Batman mythos is so heavily licensed, anyways. How much leeway do you have, where uh, where you can introduce, say, a new character or or uh, retroactively go back and change something? And do you have to do a lot of research and be like, okay, here's all these old comics that feature Thomas Wayne? Do you, I mean, how do you research for this? Well, I actually, I, it's extensive because I mean, Batman is probably the best known character in the DC universe. And his background is what makes Batman Batman. And, and, and understanding the roots of, of where Batman is coming from, I mean, how many times have we seen his parents off in that alleyway? Too many. Right. Way too yeah. many. Yeah. And, and, we, and every time we have to see it again from a different angle, you know, it's like watching it's a, a bad chop sake movie, you know, you, you just keep <laughs> looking at it from different angles. And, and every time you look at it from a different angle, it's more poignant somehow. Didn't we read somewhere that the first time, the very first time the instance came up, that it wasn't his dad in a Zorro costume? Actually, his father was was in a bat costume at one point in a masquerade. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, because yeah. they were in a, a the, uh, there was a Halloween party. Yeah, right. yeah. That they were yeah. throwing, and a gangster was it? Lou Moxon came in. Yep. Well, Lou Moxon's in my book. That Halloween party is in my book, and we take a completely different slant to that party than than what's uh, what people might assume from what's been uh, written so far. And uh, uh, Martha Wayne, for that matter, was something of a party girl in her day, which oh, is part nice. of the. It's true. It was part of the mythos, actually, that she was, and she was a neighbor of Thomas Wayne, um, and uh, and Wayne Industries, of course, came uh, grew out of um, uh, grew out of uh, heavy uh, in, uh, military industrialism, um, and and came from a background uh, actually of armaments. And so we, we, I've, able, I've actually done a considerable amount of research into the Batman mythos down through the years, which is in and of itself something of a morass since, uh, as we all know, it has shifted uh, and changed from time to time to, uh, right. to suit the times. But um, uh, I've actually managed, as I've gone through this research into Thomas and Martha Wayne and their history and their backstory, um, and... Uh, it's one of the things that I do as I'm able to take a look at what is there and and then synergize with that something new, synthesize something new based on the elements that are already there. Um, and so that's that's where we're taking this story to a great extent. It's something that's very exciting for me um, because it ties together all of the elements of the Batman mythos for me. It ties together the the deep psychological thrust that we have in the Batman character itself. One of the challenges uh, in writing um, Batman is uh, is writing Bruce Wayne himself um, because um, he's a deeply broken character. Um, and uh, in prose writing, uh, uh, being a different medium than 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 uh, uh, than film, say, or uh, or, or graphic novels or, or, or comics. Um, we have to deal with the internal uh, dialogue and monologue of characters and internal perspectives rather than the external. Um, and so uh, to be able to find um, Bruce Wayne's voice to understand Bruce Wayne, who is a deeply disturbed individual, um, is, is one of the big challenges of the book. 
but I've been working with I've been working with DC on the outline and and uh, very closely with them. They're very excited about this book and very excited about the direction that we're taking with it. So um, I've I've spent a great deal of time with the Batman Encyclopedia, let's say, and uh, and done a, a, a considerable amount of research because uh, this character is so iconic. Um, uh, that uh, I don't want to make a misstep here. I want to I want to present something that that people will pick up and say, yeah, uh, yeah, this is this is the man, and this is how he got here. But at what point, Tracy, can you add layers and elements without it being a misstep? Isn't there a really really fine line there that you really sure, got to walk? It's a difficult dance. So you know, I, like I mean, if you ever show up at Con, if, if I were to show up at Comic Con and and uh, and people didn't much care for something I had done, I you know that's a lot of people to have to fend off. <laughs> and, you would get egged. Yeah, well, you know, and, and if you get egged that many times, I mean, you know, you're drowning in eggs. But yes. uh, um, I'm not. Uh, I know the story, and I'm not concerned about it because I think what it does is it takes the elements of the Batman that we know, and it takes the elements of Thomas and Martha that we know, and uh, and shines a new light and a new perspective on them. Um, that's a little, in many ways it's a little darker, and in other ways it's uh, far more sympathetic. And also, we have to keep in mind the fact that, of course, DC Comics has already greenlighted it, so. Yeah, it, they're and, good with it, and though they will be yeah. editing it in house, so um, uh, I'm I'm not terribly worried about about misstep. Um, as much as I'm excited about the idea of of bringing something to this universe and being able to contribute. Now, when when do we when can we expect to see this book? Well, I'll be reading it in February, but. Um, as for uh, as for the rest of it, I'm thinking. Uh, my understanding is they'd like to release it. Um, I think the tentative date was January, which means that it would be in stores in December. But um, I'm not that that to a great extent may also depend on how quickly I can get it written. Okay. Oh, once it's out, you'll have to. Something that I am absolutely looking forward to. That sounds great. Yeah, it's it's going to be a great story. I think you're going to really like it. So we're totally all looking forward to it. So let's talk a little bit about... Eventide. Yes. Yes. So for those of you who don't know, which is all of you, because all the only people I talked to was our darling co-hosts and Tracy, um, this, past, <laughs> this past, what was it, Sunday? Yes. Did I, did I get it on Sunday? Yes. I, I think so, yeah. No, I, I must have gotten it Monday. I don't know. Anyway, this past weekend, I received in the mail two packages, which each contained a magnificently beautiful, luxurious, fabulous, well-produced <laughs> book. Wait, shall I go on? Yes, Don't please, stop. go right ahead. <laughs> With gorgeous artwork, a, a bookmark ribbon, absolutely drool-worthy typesetting for those of you who are into that thing, and yes, I am. And we're giving away a copy of it. 
What? what? And what? And we're giving away a copy of it tonight. Oh, yes. we say it that's very right. Softly so no one would hear because you know, probably just wanted to keep it. Her, she's yeah, already got yeah, a little bit. Could this book have been any nicer and better produced if it was leather or vellum, perhaps? Um, we did look into that, by the way. Prohibitively <laughs> <laughs> expensive, I'm guessing. Uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, we actually did want to produce this as a leather-bound book, but uh, you know, but the lettered in real gold. <laughs> that that could make it better, but other than that, you will not find a more finely crafted book. So, Tracy and Laura, let's back up just a little bit. It was about a year, year and a half ago that you came up with the concept of this way to publish Eventide. Yeah. Yes. Let's talk about a little bit, uh, because we, we did talk about it once before, about mm -hmm. how you started it, how that process went for you, and how you ended up with such an absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous end product. So awesome. To a certain extent, I think we, we, we'd like to give uh, a lot of credit to our subscribers for that. Yeah, you guys. Yay, you. Yeah, Absolutely. subscribers, because uh, their support made it possible for us to, to execute this book as beautifully as it was. We'd actually gotten into this book um, uh, because we wanted to publish um, peace. We wanted to publish peace. We wanted to publish something that was uh, beautiful about a place where people wanted to live. Um, uh, so much fantasy had dealt with, uh, you know, the epic wars and, and raging across continents. And, and the words dark and edgy applied. Yeah. And we just thought, what about something light and soft? What would without, happen? <laughs> without, without it being, you know, squeezy and sick, sickly and... and yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah like we, we essentially wanted to avoid anything that had glittering vampires in it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> And and so we we had wanted to actually sell this uh, sell this novel in traditional means, but uh, publishers didn't feel like anyone would be interested in that. How wrong were they? Well, I like to think they were very wrong because uh, this we were able to look back into the past and find in the past a way to produce books in the future. Um, a friend of ours uh, visited us, a fellow by the name of Matt Lampros, and he said to us something that changed our entire paradigm of publishing. He said that the book, the physical book, is the souvenir. It's the treasure at the end of the journey. Yes. It's the thing that you keep on the shelf that you can touch and be in contact with that reminds you of the trip that you have taken. So absolutely correct. Spot on. So what we decided to do was to produce a book online and, and, and to do so the way Charles Dickens used to write and the way Sir Arthur Conan Doyle used to write, which was in the turn of the last century, where they would do a serial publication of the book. And so we went out and, and sold subscriptions to our book online the way Dickens used to. Only, of course, in our modern day, we were able to deliver those uh, chapters every week online as a PDF file. And as the subscribers came in, we have a secure website for our subscribers where they have their own forums and their own discussion groups there. Uh, they could talk about the chapters. They could talk about the book. They could talk about the characters. They contributed characters to the book. 
Well, they helped us with typos and editing mm-hmm. and question um, some continuity, and it was good. It was all very helpful. It was uh, tremendously helpful, and so they became uh, the community of this of our subscribers not became involved in the actual production of the book itself. Um, in fact, there came a point where we had to actually get the book to the printer, and which was way ahead of the last release of the chapters. And a lot of our subscribers were disappointed that they could no longer contribute editorial comment to our book because we'd, we'd had to send it to the printer. So you have this timeline set up. Mm-hmm. And as you're approaching the actual... Uh, let's say, treasure in the Cracker Jack box. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you envision what it was going to look like? Because I've got to tell you, the end product here is just an absolutely stunning prize. And it, it, oh, it is you. a treasure. It thank seriously you so much. is a treasure. It really, I mean, uh, Laura, the, the, yes. the graphics in there are to die for. Just so gorgeous. Oh, and the thank presentation you. presentation itself I mean, is Tracy and I wanted it to to be something that want, people would want to keep on their shelves, would want to hold in their hands. Um, would it would genuinely feel like um, something to be treasured? And so um, we began looking through things, and we found um, you know you talked about the typeface, the font. Yep. We use the Caslon font. Um, when I was a child, my father read me Alice in Wonderland. And I can remember it was the version with all the old um, illustrations in it and how much I loved that. And so I went and found my copy of Alice and um, read about what had been used in the original Alice because I wanted it to have that same feeling um, that I had from when I was a child and my dad was reading me that book. And so that's how we picked that font. We were, we were actually very gratified to um, hear recently a number of our subscribers who have actually begun reading the book to their children and, and in their families out loud because it felt to them like the kind of fairy tale book they wanted to share. You know, and, and so that's that was that was really that's the most gratifying thing to us is that we produce something that that is genuine that is from the heart, and that takes a is a fantasy take um, on the quest idea um, that's kind of scaled down. You know, we we don't all go off to the big epic wars. Uh, some of our some of our personal quests are a little bit more local. And uh, and that's what we find in Eventide is this is this wonderful quest of Jared Plum, and his and his desire to win the heart of one of the women who supply wishes to the wishing well, <laughs> the broken wishing the broken well. wishing well, and and his great noble quest inside this little town and and how he fulfills all the quest uh, quest ideals um, in his own neighborhood. Um, and, uh, it's not to say there's not a lot of action in the book. There is a lot of action in the book, and and there's a lot of um, there's a lot of pathos in the book because it's full of characters that I think that people have really come to love. Um, and so you know, it it became a, a labor of love for us because it's a subscription book, right? 
because it's not out there uh, and it doesn't have to scream at you from the shelf, we were able to give it uh, a fairy tale cover look. Um, I mean, it, the back of the book has practically no text on it whatsoever. And it's you know what? Just, it works for the book, though. It like it flows. I think if there is text on the back of the book, or more text than there is, that it would interrupt what the mm -hmm. book should look like. And you know, I'm sitting here. And I'm looking at the books that I have on my desk, which are all books that, you know, I'm either in the middle of reading or I want to read. And some of them, I have The Naked Song by Isaac Asimov, which was, mm -hmm. I will admit, my father's book, which I stole. But um, <laughs> yes, it's an old paperback and it's beat to crap, but I love it. And mm -hmm. then I have a collection of Philip K. Dick stories, which is brand new. Have I really cracked it? I have it because it's really sterile looking. Mm -hmm. It's just like none of the character that some of these older books, I don't know if it's just because it's what I remember from when I was little or because they've been read so often and loved so much. But your book, when I got it into my hands, immediately I had that feeling of connection with it that this is, this is something that's loved. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and that's exactly what we're looking for. Laura insisted, for, ex uh, for example, that we put the crimson bookmark ribbon in the book. Hey, Tracy kept saying, you, you want a ribbon? You want a bookmark ribbon it's in the book? Fabulous. Honey, that's going to... Oh, yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. He kept saying, that's going to cost more. It's going to cost more. And I'm like, well, no, no, actually, Well, it was it. actually considerably expensive, but it was such yeah. a right thing to do. It was. It, yeah. It's just the little touches that, you know snobby people or people who don't get the genre or the project will be like, yeah, so what? Yeah, so what? But, you know, for your subscribers who have paid for it and for anyone who, you know, sees one of the subscribers with this book, I, I think there's an immediate, like, wow mm -hmm. to it. Okay, so Tracy and Laura, here's yeah. the real question. The project is done. You're now selling a limited number of Eventide holiday gift limited editions on the website. The subscription is done for the first series. You're actually opening up subscriptions for the second book. Mm -hmm. From a purely financial standpoint, did it work? Did it support us? Did it support uh, and, itself? It absolutely supported yes. itself. We were able, actually, because of because of our subscribers and the wonderful response that we had from them, we were able to pay for the uh, for the print run um, without any impact to our uh, otherwise to us. We were able to pay for the print run from the subscriptions, and we actually uh, were able to make a profit on. The series a small profit. I mean, it's not. It didn't pay the electric exactly. No, not pay the electric <laughs> exactly, but it did act. But it did pay for itself, and it also did uh, upfront, and it also did provide us with some justifiable income um, uh, for having gone to the trouble of doing it. And Could what? we have made more money if we had sold this into traditional publishing? Absolutely. But we wouldn't have had the leeway, the free hand to do what we really wanted to do, and. When it comes right down to it, um, the bottom line was this was a labor of love. This is something we felt um, very strongly about doing. Um, 
we fell deeply and madly in love with this little town and these people, and we had to tell their story. But the, well, I, but the I nice think, thing that I think that you're asking, and I think that and the thing that needs to be pointed out was that, yes, it worked. It functioned. Um, uh, the systems that we were able to put together um, actually resulted in what we had hoped, which was that the subscriptions supported the production of the book, uh, and especially for a first effort. And in fact, well, yes, it's amazing. exactly. I mean, you guys managed to build up a wonderful community. Mm -hmm. And I think that I am confident in saying that that community will stick with you through the, I think it's a trilogy, right? Through the end of the trilogy. It is. Yeah. And in and fact, it's, it's amazing, amazing to us that we already have as many subscribers right now. Um, for the second book. For the second book, before here, before the end of the year, as we had last August. And yeah. I believe it. I think that this is going to be a really great business model for you guys. I think it's just going to snowball by the best method of advertisement that there is, which is honest to goodness word of mouth, because you guys are so awesome. Mm -hmm. You're just oh. going to be more and more successful. Well, I'll tell you, seriously, what is also exciting for us is that uh, we are able to now take this method of subscription publishing and we are teaching people to do it. We call it right like the Dickens. Yep. Right, like the Dickens. And, That's fabulous. And and we actually we have actually have uh, we have three people now actually who have taken us up on our offer and and uh, two of them have gone into subscription publishing online and a third is looking to set themselves up also in subscription publishing, uh, and and so for us it's not just a question of being able to find a way to produce our own books. But it's also very exciting for us to be able to teach other people how to do this too, how how they can fulfill their dream, and uh, and get their ideas and words out there. So now I just like to point out for those people who are as dumb as rocks and can't see this for themselves, this business oh. model that you have set up works around distributing your information and then rewarding the paying customers with a beautiful souvenir at the end of your run. Yeah, very mm -hmm. much so. So piracy is really good for you. Yeah, actually. Actually, yes. Yeah, we, we had it had actually been part of our expectation that the PDF files, which people would download, would be distributed and would spread the word about the book because, truth, as you say, the real prize is the book at the end of the journey. But and, you make it a great prize, let me tell you. Well, the funny thing was, our subscribers were so incredibly loyal that they actually didn't share the files. <laughs> Did you have to leak them yourselves? <laughs> it was it was actually pretty gratifying to know that they had paid the money for the subscription and they felt very proprietary about it and didn't want to share it with other people. And about their memberships. And yes. about their memberships, which is a tremendously gratifying thing if you think about it, because... You know, so much on the internet, people simply download and they throw it away. And they think that the the perception is that if it's on the internet, it must be free. But True. but these people came to believe in what we were doing and very quickly and felt very proprietary about the information that they were getting from us and didn't want to share their toys or the experience <laughs> that they were having with us that was I, so personal for so them. They I'm, they not, I'm not sure if that makes me feel better or worse about you. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know what? What you were really selling, I mean, if the book leaked, if it didn't leak, it was good for you. 
if it leaked because more people would hear about it. But what you're really selling is access to you and yes. to the book, the physical book at the end. But they're really nothing can replace your personal time. You can't pirate that. Well, that's true. And and one of the things that's so gratifying to us is that personal time with the people who are in the subscriptions. We're we're going to be starting Blackshore, for example, which is the second book. It's kind of our pirate um, uh, port book, and uh, uh, that one is starting uh, starting in May. But we've already outlined for our subscribers online that they're going to be part of the creation process as we go through this. Uh, that they're going to be there while we work up our characters. That they're going to be there while we work up the the uh, work through our our outline structure, so that they have a real sense of how a book is written, and that they're participating in that process. Uh, in addition to that, Laura is going to be producing a um, a a small piece in the Eventide that's uh, as an adjunct. She's going to be doing a uh, um, uh, a cookbook that's called. Um, the magical mix-ups of Madeline Muffin. Oh, it's awesome. It's going to have its own story that's set in this in the Dragon's Bard universe. And, it's and about Madeline's youth. And, and when Before Madeline was Before she was young. a tied-down baker in Eventide. So but cute. but we have we we want to involve we want to be personally involved with our care with our people with our subscribers and 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 that's where we're going to go with with Black Shores. We and have that's, that's what as gives of, people the reason to buy it. Yeah. That's it. And you know what the cool thing is? <laughs> if you wanted to buy a copy of uh, it's a, their holiday book special, which is only good for another 10 more days, it's 78 bucks. Yeah, it's 78 yeah. bucks for a copy for, for the first edition right. private printing of, of, of Eventide. Numbered. But I'll, I'll tell you that... Um, uh, for ninety-eight dollars, we will include the second book. Oh, that is and, a freaking deal right there. That is that's an amazing deal because you'll get both the copy of the first uh, first novel numbered and signed by both of us from our private printing, and you'll also be have access to the private website, access to us, and and receive that second book next fall when that comes out. It's it's. It's a tremendous deal. It's our holiday special. That price is, well, yeah. actually, that actually is only going to last as long as we have um, first editions left. We currently have um, about 207, I think, yeah. of those first editions remaining. And we expect that those will go um, really quickly. fairly quickly. The, the only thing that could possibly be better than any of that is the fact that if you go to the sci-fi saturday night.com website <laughs> under the deals section in the shameless commerce department <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well I, we we like you guys so much we decided we'd go ahead and give you a, a deal Yay. which yes, we so. passed on to you guys our listeners that's we right so you guys just pick up the coupon code that's over there on the sci-fi saturday night website and we'll actually uh, give you $5 off on the uh, on on either the uh, first edition book or the uh, or the holiday special, which is both the first edition book and the subscription to the second book next year. 
It's an amazing deal. It'll never be lower than that. And as I say, we've only got a, a very limited number of those first edition books and, remaining. And it's only for 10 more days. Yeah, and only for those 10 more days. So here's what you need to do. Once this podcast is over, if you're listening live, when it's uploaded, the minute that it's uploaded, go and comment on it. Because if you do, next week we'll announce who won a free copy of Eventide, signed, numbered, first edition, super special. If you don't win... You're going to want to hop right over to Tracy's website and pick it up. Or, and what would that the comment, be? win, and then go over to Tracy's website, buy one, and give it's it to present. someone you love. That's right. Because this is one of those kind of deals. Yeah. One of those kind of beautiful, beautiful, beautiful gifts. And we are going to leave you, too, with one other thing, though. It is the holidays. We need to give away, we need to give holiday gifts, do we not? Mm-hmm. We do indeed. Yes, we do. And so Laura and I have produced a downloadable board game for the holidays. It's called Santa's Sleigh Ride. And, Santa's uh, Sleigh Ride, yes. And mine arrived early this week. <laughs> and it is just the cutest damn thing you'd ever want to play. <laughs> it really is. The, the graphics are just beautiful and, and, and it's a fun little game. And Damn it, guys. Uh, it's really, really cute. Cute as a freaking button. When I was, when, when Laura and I were young, we, board games were what you played at, at the holidays. And that's what the family gathered around and played, the, played board games around the holidays. And, you know, and whether it was, uh, was Monopoly or whether it was uh, Life, <laughs> you know, um, it was what you yeah, did risk. over the holidays, or yeah, or risk, yeah. All of those games that, of course, engendered so much family unity. Um, <laughs> but we wanted to have a holiday game. We wanted to, uh, a game to play, you know, for the holidays. And so we uh, we started looking around. And we couldn't find any, and we kept seeing this this little box of Christmas trivia that was out every year. And we were so tired of seeing that same box of Christmas trivia. So we decided we'd create our own game. And we actually... <laughs> yeah, we looked at each other and went, hey, we're game designers. We're game designers. We can do, we can do that. <laughs> so, we, so we went and actually, uh, uh, originally we created this game for our family. And uh, then started giving it to friends. Yeah, people kept asking, could I have a copy of can that? I have one of those? That was pretty bad. <laughs> and we decided this year, you know, maybe we should share the fun. So... We've uh, we've actually we've created a, a, a completely downloadable version, which comes with a black and white board, if, uh, which you can which you can just purchase and download immediately. Um, or uh, or for eighteen dollars, you can not only download the game immediately, but we will also mail to you um, the full color, high definition, washable surface um, board for the game. Uh, that is really beautiful, and it's, we sign the back. So. Right, and and the washable board is pretty much kid-proof, yeah. icing, cookies, you know, yep. not a problem. Not a problem. Because Christmas, you're going to have your snacks and be playing the games. Yep, and we can get, and, and we'd just love to send those out. So, yeah, follow the show links, because we're also giving you a discount on that, too. It is the holidays, after all. But follow the show links, and it'll take you there to uh, Santa's Sleigh Ride. Santa's uh, failed his Canadian driver's license test. 
and uh, needs to find an elf that is capable of driving his sleigh. We've even got a, a cute little video that we've done there that you can take a look at and, and, and see about the game. So, so if you're looking for some fun this holiday, uh, please come by and, and pick up one of those too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Guys, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, it's a delight. It's good talking with you. And um, what I'd like to do is as we get started out uh, with the new series, we'd like to check in with you guys every once in a while, see how things are going, th see how things are going within the community mm -hmm. and how the story is progressing because this is the model that people should be taking to reconnect Make that connection once again between the author and the reader. Well, you know what? I don't know if it's the business model, but it's certainly a very good one. It's not going to be right for everyone. Absolutely. It's, it's a fabulous model, and it's way better than peeing in your pants in the face of piracy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Absolutely. the proof's in the pudding. Wow. You know, come take, a look at, come take a look at the book, and you'll, you'll see... Um, I think uh, uh, what Grant is talking about. It's we are so proud of this book, and it's such a beautiful piece. I, I have one and, word and for everyone: nerdgasm. <laughs> okay, there's just no other way to describe. Absolutely not. And uh, Tracy and Laura, what what are your websites? Well, they're proliferating. Um, um, uh, I, I have a personal website at tracyhickman.com or trhickman.com. Um, we have our podcast that we've uh, finally started picking up again, which is at dragonhearthproductions.com. Um, of course, the the Eventide book and Dragon, uh, the Eventide book and the um, Blackshore book, and eventually the Mordale book. Um, all three of those are Dragonsbard, and if you come to dragonsbard.com, you can learn not only about how we're doing it, but about the story itself and how you can become a participant in it. And uh, that's where you'll find those holiday specials. Um, then we've also got Scribes Forge. Oh, I forgot about that one. Scribes Forge is um, actually where we teach this publishing method, and starting next spring, we're going to be um, starting um, writing seminars online. There have been so many people who keep asking us, begging us to do the seminars online that, you know, we often go and teach, but, we're, but we feel like we'll be able to reach more people if we're doing it online. So we'll be doing those at scribesforge.com. And, uh, and then, of course, there is holiday games, holidayboardgames.com, or if you prefer, reindeergamer.com. Both of which will take you to uh, take you to our website uh, of holiday games, uh, we have where we have our Santa's sleigh ride game uh, available currently, and frankly, we're looking at producing uh, additional games. In We've the already started our our Santa game for next year. That's right. Woohoo! Sequels are awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And on that note, Illustrator X. Whoa, I'm not reading that crap. Summarize it in one word. <laughs> 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 Only zombie Jesus. Wow. I know. <laughs> <laughs> wow.
Well, that sounds like it's time for the coming up calendar. <laughs> well, folks, next week. From my heart and from my hand, why don't people understand my intention? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Nothing like a little oingo boingo to get things going here. I want to talk about weird science before. Yeah. On De- December 11th next week, we're off for a well-deserved break, so take the time to catch up on our old podcasts. Then on December 18th, we get medieval with Jordan Galland and Mike Landry of the award-winning film Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are undead. On December 25th, <laughs> hey, Merry Christmas. See you on New Year's. And on January 1st, New Year's Day night, then. Oh, my goodness. Illustrator X sharing. Chad Ciccone kicks off the year with Kickstarter comic series Factor. And on January 8th, sit back with soothing sci-fi sounds and songs. Do we lose Illustrator X? No, but... He's fading uh, the background. Uh, Illustrator X needs help pronouncing... <laughs> He's learned how to talk again. Has he? And Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of the Boston Comic-Con, coming up on April 30th, 2011, and of Comic Art House, your one and only source for original comic artwork. Visit Bob and Kim at ComicArtHouse.com for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. The Sci-Fi Saturday Night crew get their comics at Double Midnight Comics and Collectibles in Manchester, New Hampshire. Check out anotherheaven.com for the best selection of Asian and cult cinema DVDs, and visit adamsmedia.com, the first name in nonfiction publishing. Tonight's outro music provided by Zanoise. Pick up their CD, The Benevolent Beast, on iTunes. Dome? Our guests tonight have been Tracy and Laura Hickman. We want to thank them for joining us. Thank them for what they're doing to the community. Thank them for producing <laughs> oh, some beautiful art. Hey! You know, when somebody does us good, they do us good. Oh, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) What can I tell you? Check it out. Check out the websites. Check out the book. Buy the damn book, for God's sake. Go in. Become a member. I've done it. Get the game, too, while you're at it. Shameless commerce over. From the Elston Brighton Hellbop outside of Boston. (laughs) Thank you to the sweetheart of the soundboard, Kriana. I love you, all my chat room peeps. From the Four Color Vault of Comics, it's been Illustrator X and the Dead Redhead. Meow. Meow. <laughs> and from Outpost Gallifrey, it's been Awake by Java. And that's... <laughs> <laughs> and this is the Dome saying, Genie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy is increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everybody. Belmar, that was the name of my planet. It's also what it was made out of. <laughs>